Hey there, non-plus listeners. If you're a person who partakes of a tipple or two from time to time. A what? A tipple. Uh, you know, it's a, it, a bit of booze, but coyly and a little British. Coily Bridges is my stage name. Okay. <laughs> if you enjoy a cocktail from time to time and are looking to jazz things up a bit, because who's not right now, you should definitely check out Shaker and Spoon. Shaker and Spoon is a really cool subscription service that helps you be your own mixologist. They send you a new box every month centered around a carefully curated cocktail theme. Inside, you'll find all of your ingredients, instructions, and even mixology definitions to help you craft your very own fancy cocktails. Spice up your next Zoom happy hour with a little something special for yourself. You provide the poison, Shaker and Spoon provides the pizzazz. Subscribe now through June 30th to get next month's putting on the Spritz box that will boost your bubbles with an undeniable elegance of elderflower. That's pretty flowery phrasing. Wouldn't you say I rose to the occasion? Oh God, I'm wilting. To get $20 off your first box, head to shakerandspoon.com slash nonplus. That's shakerandspoon.com slash nonplus to snag that putting on the Spritz box and get $20 off on us. Hurry, gotta do it by June 30th. I'll drink to that. And one for Mahler. I'm not I'm I'm not even hitting my uh plosives. I'm I'm so I'm so beside myself with joy. <laughs> I'm excited for our very first guest here on Nonplussed. That was that. That was that. <laughs> Jeez. Oh goodness. to another episode of Nonplussed, a gay romp through the Disney Plus vault. That is my husband, Clancy. And that is my husband, Josh. And we are Nonplussed, a mischief media podcast. It's an exciting episode, Clancy. Why is that? Uh, well, it's because we have our first guest with we us. We have our first guest with us. Later on in the podcast, we're going to have Stephen Ray Morris from C- Jurassic Right, the Percast, My Favorite Murderer, and all sorts of other things that over at Exactly Right Media. He's going to be joining us to talk through our scene by scene yes, on I'm today's movie. Very, very excited. Very excited. He's got a lot of thoughts. Um, we, I mean, we'll talk about it here in a bit, but like I, I saw him talking about today's movie on social media and I pinged him and I was just like, so about that. and now um he's honoring us with his presence as our very first guest but full disclosure we're gonna edit for time but there's a lot of content here so it's a little bit of an extra long episode sorry about that but we i really think you're gonna like it we i think we're gonna have a lot of fun yeah and as always we always do our research on uh wikipedia imdb Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. We talk about, we've talked about, we'll talk about a few other articles. We'll link them in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, Before we jump in. Yeah. It's still Pride Month. It is still Pride Month and Mischief Merch has a entire Pride line on their, uh, on, on the website. Yes. So I would definitely check that out. They've get got that Yas hat. They've got that Yas hat. We need to get that Yas hat. We still have a 100%. Oops. It comes in a bunch of colors. Yes. And uh, yeah, Yas hat. Yas hat. Yas hat. Go to the website, yes, hat, and pick up a non-plus t-shirt while you're there. All of that at mischiefmerch.com. Clancy, let's get to it, because I have a feeling we're going we're gonna to have a lot to say with Stephen. What are we talking about today? Uh, we are talking about the movie that Disney put out called Tangled. Tangled. Yeah. Why? I mean, of course, Disney put out. Why would you? Why do you need to classify it? That 
way. <laughs> this is very purred happily of you. Oh, goodness. Yes. Tangled. It was released on November 24th, 2010. It premiered like the week before uh, on the 14th. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based on Rapunzel by the Brothers Grimm. Uh, and it was directed by Nathan Greno. Yep. He worked on uh, uh, Mulan, Brother Bear, Chicken mm-hmm. Little, Meet the Robinsons, Bolt, Frozen, and Big Hero 6. Yeah. There's a lot of crossover on some of these too as we go through. For sure. And his first directing gig was a short based on Bolt uh, characters that was uh, released prior to this. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. And then also, um, it was, so it was co-directed and Byron Howard was the other co-director. Yeah, and he uh, he also worked on Bolt, Zootopia. He was also an EP on Frozen 2. Oh, right. And he's also worked on a number of uh, Disney projects like Pocahontas, Mulan, and Lilo and Stitch. He's been around the block. Yes. Yeah. Screenplay was by Dan Fogelman, who was a writer on Cars, uh, Fred Claus. Bless um, him. I know. Bolt, <laughs> again, Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, and, I love that movie. And apparently he's doing the screenplay for Indiana Jones 5. Holy shit, yes. Yeah. And then music, of course, is... Alan Menken. Helen Mirren. Helen Helen Mirren did the music for this one. Super good get for them, you know. Like, I mean, yeah, like she's she's a delight. Yes, Alan Menken. Of course, we've talked about on the podcast before. He's a Disney darling, frequent subject. He also did the songs for Roger Rabbit, Little yes. Mermaid, and uh, most of the animated films in the Disney Renaissance. Yes, and that's that's like you know Little Mermaid and all that shit for sure. Yeah. Um. So the cast. First up, we've got. 90s pop darling Mandy Moore as Rapunzel. Yes, girl, get it. Yes, you know, she did. I want to be with you. Uh, I know that. Oh, yeah. I know Mandy. I Oh, good. I, was, we, I wasn't sure because oh, I'm a little bit older than you. No, I knew. And I sometimes knew our references don't quite overlap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she crossed over into acting rather successfully uh, for Dr. Doodle 2. She was in The Princess Diaries, A Walk to Remember, of course. And I loved her and saved. Then we had Zachary Levi as Flynn Rider. Uh, he could get it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he has a tall drink of water, too. I mean, his big break, of course, was on Ch- Chuck. He was Fandral in Thor 2 and 3. Yep. Because remember, at the very beginning of Thor 3, they get killed. Yeah. Um, I was sad about that. <laughs> Uh, he was also in Shazam. He was Shazam. He was Shazam. He was Shazam. Uh, and also upcoming in Shazam 2. Yes. Apparently was greenlit. I didn't realize that was greenlit already. Yeah, a while ago. Okay, that's I think, awesome. I, I think they were in filming or they were in pre-production. It's yeah. not a Disney property, so we don't have to get too into it. But he was also an EP and the host of the Geeks to Drink TV show that oh, was right. on for one season on Sci-Fi. <laughs> Yeah, um, he. I, I briefly met him uh, at a taping because, like you know, of course, I knew people who were. I host still sort of host for Geeks Who Drink. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that was fun. It was delightful, and he was a good host. Yeah. Who's next? Donna Murphy as Mother Gothel. I have to. I'm, I need to disclose that I've got a personal relationship with Donna Murphy. Oh my god! Which is to say that I I helped her get around Broadway Con this year. <laughs> I was like her her staff member at her autograph and photograph booth. And so many people brought like people were just as many people bringing stuff from the shows that she's done like passion and sure King and I, um, there was a woman who made this gorgeous Anna dress from King and I anyway, but they'd bring in just as much mother Gothel stuff. And like, there was a doll that she had never seen before. And she was oh, like, wow. Oh my goodness. I need to get one of these. She was, she, she was super chill. She's such a fun person, but yeah, she's a five time Tony nominee and two time winner for passion Jeez. in 94 and the King and I in 96. She has an extensive TV career with many law and order credits, all playing different characters. But she was um, Dr. Octopus's wife in Spider-Man 2. Holy shit, she was. Yeah, yes. Right. Yeah, she yeah, gets yeah. killed and it's a whole thing. And 
Yeah. Yeah. But she was also in the Nanny Diaries, uh, Star Trek Insurrection and Center Stage. Such a good one. Yes. Who's next? Brad Garrett as the hook hand thug. Yeah. We talked about him last time on a bug's life. Yes. He was the beetle dim. Yeah. Uh, he's also the brother from everybody loves Raymond. Yep. Um, he's also voiced, uh, Eeyore, um, Christopher Robin. Is that the new one? It's the Ewan McGregor one. I think. Oh yeah. Cause there's two and both of them look really sad. Yeah. Ewan McGregor could get it too. And I didn't know he was the voice of Gusto in Ratatouille. Oh shit. Yeah. I thought that was just some, some French dude, but it was Brad Garrett. Yeah. Who'd have thunk? Next, we have Ron Perlman as Stabbington brother. Yes, he was. Uh, he I didn't realize how long his VO career was, and we're not going to get into it because, as I said, we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> but he's uh, most notable for his role as Hellboy in the Hellboy movies. Oh, right. And most recently is arguing with Ted Cruz on Twitter about wrestling with another senator. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey Tambor, he plays the big nose thug. Yes, he was on Arrested Development, Transparent, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and he is problematic. And this is one of those things where we wanted to make sure that we're calling things out for sure in context. There are accusations of verbal and sexual harassment uh, from his assistant and castmate on Transparent and from Jessica Walters on Arrested Development. Like all of this stuff got hashed out a few years ago in the press. Yeah. But yeah, um, he has an insanely long career, multiple Emmys, but yeah, problematic. Uh, next, we have Richard Keel. He plays Vlad. The only thing I think you would know him from is he was Jaws in that one. The Bond villain with like the the silver teeth. He was in um. Oh, okay. he was in the Golden Eye game. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a bunch of other stuff, but I think that's the only thing you'd know him from. <laughs> MC Ganey plays the captain of the guard. His notable credits include Breakdown with Kurt Russell, Wild Hogs, and Con Air. Rad. I mean, and then my favorite one of this, it's my favorite surprise. This is almost a cameo. When it you think is. About it, yeah. Uh, Paul F. Tompkins. He plays yes. short thug shorty. That's the little, like the little old man one that's dressed as the Cupid and doing the kissy faces. Yes. I had, I, I've listened to his podcast on Nation like way too much. It's such a good I, listen. I, I probably listened to it twice through. But he's it's been doing so much VO work. He did some stuff on Bojack, which we knew because he was yep. the golden retriever. Yep. Um, but he's, and he's done some guest stuff on Bob's burgers, which we've pegged, mm-hmm. but he's also on ducktails like the new ducktails. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. We need to get into that. And, um, I do remember him being the, um, he was the host of the cat fashion show and Anchorman. <laughs> it was like a right. 60 seconds on camera. If oh. that, but he was also in the tenacious D movies and there will be blood. Cool. Yeah. All right. Clancy, you ready to do the scene by scene? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, but I think we should introduce our guest first. We should. We should. Yay. Welcome. You're our very first guest. We're so happy to have you on the show, Stephen Ray Morris. Yay. Hello. Yay. Hi. <laughs> we'll put in a sound effect of clapping so it sounds like there's a live audience or something. <laughs> Stephen, thank you so much for joining us on Nonplus. I'm so excited to be here. And Yay. I know, I think we had talked, you had been mentioning you were you know, starting this podcast and stuff. And yeah. then I just so happened to have watched... Tangled just because my girlfriend has a three-year-old and yes. we were just looking for more stuff to watch. And then I fell in love with this movie. Like, Yay. Yeah, because I, I I saw you posting, I think it was on Facebook, and I was like, well, actually, we <laughs> haven't done this one for the show yet if you're free. So, um, but yeah, I mean, introduce, you, I mean, you do see Jurassic Right, you do the Percast, mm-hmm. and of course you do a whole bunch of stuff for Exactly Right. So tell us yeah. about uh, who, who you is and what you do. I am a dinosaur slash a cat. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yes, no, let's... <laughs> The, sure. Those are where my interests on my sleeve. No, I'm a podcast producer. Um, when I moved to LA, I was just kind of t- to do whatever. And then I discovered that podcasts are amazing. So yeah, I wanted to jump into that. And then, uh, yeah, I've been working 
Technically now my favorite murder is the longest job I've ever had now. Oh, wow. which is That's actually awesome. really cool. Cause like there was one, the, the first job I had in LA where I was working for this production company, they were like three and a half years. And then this year I hit year four. Congratulations. So feels, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Just, it, it's yeah. Just podcast producing and you know, whether it's, you know, engineering and audio stuff to actually hosting like the percast and see Jurassic, yeah. right. Uh, yeah, that's, I'm pretty much all, all podcasts all the time now. It seems. I mean, <laughs> and see Jurassic, right. You're actually looking at Westworld now. Yeah. Yes. We just finished up uh season three of Westworld. I had never, like I had never watched a movie. Like I haven't watched a TV show in real time in so long. Like that idea of like, cause yeah. everyone who was like watching game of Thrones, like in mm-hmm. real time, you had that water cooler vibe of like, you know, what, what's, what did they fuck up this week? Exactly. (laughs) The group therapy sessions afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for me, so because there isn't, they, they did just announce a Jurassic Park TV show. That'll probably be like on Peacock or something like that. Oh, okay. Probably a couple years away. Now the Americans, the people who do that are supposedly on board. And then there's an animated Jurassic TV show coming to Netflix in the, in the fall. But, you know, they throw that stuff, they throw it all at once. So you can't have that kind of communal, like you said, group therapy week to week. So that was Westworld for me. That was the closest thing, uh, I guess, for people who don't know, Michael Crichton, who uh, wrote Jurassic Park, wrote and directed Westworld. So that's the that's the connection there. So uh, but yeah, it was fun. That's awesome. Um, And I also just listened to the um, the Yardley Smith episode of the Percast. Yes, it's the way that you get that much content out of talking to people about their cats is honestly <laughs> magical and it's very, oh, very you. adorable. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm always just impressed when people, I think when we started, it was just like, let's just talk about the, the, you know, uh, you know, you know, you're a cat person when kind of like yeah. whatever silly stuff. But I mean, to hear people, I mean, Yardley like opened up about her relationships and how it related yeah. to her cats and like stuff like that to me is always like really exciting because it's not something i like shoot for but i think people over the years it's like oh yeah like i think that's the stuff that like to me has felt more meaningful and stuff i mean obviously it's all good fun but like yeah to hear it to hear people open up about their lives through their relationships with their pets their cats specifically like that's (laughs) Mm -hmm. been such a cool thing yeah we just i think we just put out episode like 252 or something like that (laughs) <laughs> well let's uh let's get into tangled like we normally yeah. we talk about why we picked this one for the week but we discussed it we we i saw you posting about it on facebook and <laughs> and here we are clancy had you seen this one before we watched it for the podcast i feel like i've seen it in bits and pieces like it wasn't i never actually watched it completely all the way through uh-huh. i don't think um josh was also playing kingdom hearts at one point yeah kingdom hearts three there's a whole <laughs> section you go to corona Oh, really? Yeah, wow. yeah. yeah. And it's it's one of the ones that they tie in for the newest Kingdom Hearts. And so like when they when they pan to the, the, the tower for the first time, I was like, oh, I remember this level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a boss fight right there. <laughs> I love that you know that from a video game first. I will actually say my first relationship with Tangled was loving the and it's it's like on YouTube and like a 320 like low quality. It's the Grace Potter music video for something that I want, which is the credit song. And the music video a friend showed me, my buddy Dax, who's he has a Don Bluth podcast, like all about animation and everything like that. He did the Percast theme song. He was like, you have to watch this Grace Potter music video for Tangled. And it is literally it is a one long take song where 
all the animators at Disney Studio over like off the 134. Uh-huh. And they literally do a one take music video of singing and performing. So there's all these Disney animators that are like riding around on bikes, wearing funny costumes. Then they're all singing along and like, oh, my God, how have I never seen this? Yeah. I mean, after this, you're definitely gonna have to stop and look at it. I, I don't oh, yeah. like describe the whole thing, but literally the whole music. It's like one long take. So they'll like go into the elevator It'll just sit there. It'll open up and then there's people ready. And then it ends with um, Grace Potter, like coming out and singing the song as they do this crane shot with the entire anime. Like you can tell it was like <laughs> just like these animators who were like going bananas, like working these, you know, working in animated movies is, is a tough yeah. thing. And so it's like I could tell that this was something that they like needed to let off steam. And it's just such a beautifully I mean, it's literally shot on like a shitty camera phone. Like it's this wasn't something that Disney like calculated oh. or anything. It was just this thing that was done out of love. And like it just was it was such a cool thing. And then I never saw Tangled. And then, like this was like when it came out. And then I finally saw it and I was like, oh, OK, now I get it. And I managed to find it. So I, now that I have the link secured, I'll send it to you to watch. Thank but, you. Good. Thank you. So when was the first time you actually saw Tangled then? Well, then it was, yeah, like a few weeks ago. And I'm like a big, oh, I love Frozen. I didn't you know, realize I, that was your first time. I thought you were just watching that, it because you were watching it with your girlfriend's kid. No, no, no. That was the first time I'd actually seen it. That's awesome. And, and I, I and I, I want to hear your guys' impressions because it's like Frozen obviously was this huge surprise thing. Mm-hmm. But Tangled even more is like, it feels like it was working under like no supervision. It's just <laughs> I, the way I described it on Twitter was it feels like Shrek but made by Hayao Miyazaki, like a Studio Ghibli movie. Like it's just, and a lot of critique, we'll get to that when we just start talking about Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of folks were making those comparisons at the time. Oh, really? Interesting. About Shrek, like Shrek, Shrek stylized, like jokes, Shrek writing, Shrek, Shrek animation. But there's something very like, like weirdly beautiful and like sad about it or something. I don't know. I was very, very intrigued. Oh yeah. What's really funny is that for this, uh, like Bugs Life what pioneered what was it the the backlight scatter thing that what was it? yeah 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 it was the um like light coming through leaves and uh, stuff yeah which was heavily used in this movie so like yes like because of all the paper and stuff mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah so that's animation that they built off of from pixar then yeah that's rad yeah because like they did a lot of was it work on the hair in this one clancy because they had to it was the lamps because they were like something forty-five thousand individually animated lamps oh for yeah they, they did a lot of that and then the hair was actually based off of cloth simulations that they kind of made work for it. Cause originally they were really worried about how long they could make the hair <laughs> yeah. conceivably. And then, and then, yeah, as they, one of, one of, I don't remember who it was, but some, somebody on their team essentially was like, well, what if we just do a cloth dynamics on the hair and just see how that works. And then they were able to make the hair as long as they want. Oh, cool. like, yeah. Yeah, it was Disney's 50th animated film um, and they have the Walt Disney animation intro card that sort of like celebrates that like you think it's the because it's the Steamboat Mickey whistle whistle <laughs> thing and then it's this it's special for this um, yeah. this edition it's their 50th animated feature um, the title originally was Rapunzel that would have followed sort of like their convention of naming the movie after the princess but they wanted there was all sorts of marketing kerfuffle about like wider audiences and it's just as much Flynn's story so we want to try to market to boys. And so then it became Rapunzel untangled and then it just became, or something like that. And then it just became tangled. Yeah. And at one point, cause it was originally pitched in 1996 while um, wow. Eisner was still on. And at one point when it was going through development, he had the wacky idea to like set it contemporarily like in, in San, San Francisco. Francisco. Oh, yeah. I think I saw that in the trivia. And I was just like, why, 
no, Eisner, just go, just be quiet and just <laughs> take your money and run. It's fine. You you can leave now. I mean, it seems like, I mean, post froze, it just seems like we were trying, people were trying to throw away conventional wisdom because yeah. Disney was in a slump, you know, home on the, like dinosaur, uh, home on the range. There's a great piece on how dinosaur ruined like and Disney animation oh. that just came out a few weeks ago as well, too, because it was its 20th anniversary or something like that. Um, oh, wow. You know, and and I think the trivia said something about Princess and the Frog didn't perform as well. It's one of those things. Yeah, because they, lo- they lost faith in, in the 2D approach and started going to full 3D after that. Yeah, it's just such a mishmash of movies. It's like if Taika Waititi directed like a Disney princess movie. There's like a type of, it, you know, because I think a lot of us who like watch animation, we like think of the DreamWorks stuff. Like I have a universal pass. I, you know, I'm, I'm a minions guy. I'm not going to lie, but like, <laughs> but in weirdly in a way, I feel like a lot of the DreamWorks and like illumination entertainment has kind of taken now Pixar and Disney's cue. Mm-hmm. So those movies in a way are in some ways more heartwarming and less about the sort of Shrekiness of it all of like the, yeah. like to me, Tangled doesn't feel like it doesn't, it still feels timeless, uh, even though it is like very um, it's very like, again, I think it's like a, it weirdly is like a lot of Marvel movies where it's like serious moments happen, but then they're joking about them. It feels like real life where it's like we're yeah, not allowing yeah. ourselves to like have a like I'm sad. Isn't that stupid? Like it kind of has a self-deprecating nature <laughs> towards it. Like it's fighting with itself. Like it's like like this, like it's like trying to be a beautiful fairy tale, but it's like, eh. You know, you just expect Rapunzel to pull out a cigarette, you know, it's just like, I've oh been through God. this before, oh, kid, man. you know, like it, it's a, it's a weird movie where it is like, again, to me, I think Taika Waititi, he's so good at like mixing sincerity with, um, sort of self-deprecating. Yeah. I feel like this movie has that energy to it. I, you're absolutely right. I hadn't thought about it that way. And it's funny to look at it through that lens. And now I feel like I'm going to have to watch it again. Um, <laughs> So the synopsis on Disney Plus is uh, when the kingdom's most wanted bandit is taken hostage by Rapunzel, a teen with 70 feet of golden hair who's looking to escape the tower where she's been locked away for years. The unlikely duo sets off on a hair raising escape. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, we'll Bless get to them. it, but you're absolutely right. This movie is is so self-aware but still trying to sincerely present itself as the fairy tale yeah. that it is because it hits all the beats of the original Grimm's like it does all of the things it needs to do. And it, I honestly, it's one of the better Disney villains to come out of their animation in recent years yeah, for sure. Because like all of this, all of this, and let's be honest, it's abuse. All of this <laughs> abuse is, is recognized. It doesn't feel that part doesn't feel fantasy. Yeah. I think so many of these modern Disney movies, and I wonder if it's just our generation, you know, people from like 25 to 40 ish in that range. It's like, we're coming to grips yeah. with like the calls coming from inside the house. I mean, very much frozen, Yeah, <laughs> you know, the toxic masculinity of the original frozen yes, and stuff like that. Like it's truly, it's like the villains are good presenting in a way. Yes. Much more nefarious about it. And that's one of the things we talked about when we were discussing onward, because critically people didn't feel like it, you know, it held up to Pixar standards. But one of the things that we said about it is because it was so targeted. When you look <laughs> at inside out um, that it it's puberty. When you look at toy story, it's, you know, coming to grips with who you were as a child, but like onward is a parent has died and there's a brother brother relationship happening. And it's so, it's so much more narrow in scope 
comparatively that um it people have hit, a little bit more hard time identifying with it for sure. And it hits harder for those who do. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I yep. feel a little bit cynical about Pixar now because it feels like, oh, it's just a bunch of like 40 year old men like working out their own issues on screen. And I'm like, I don't need <laughs> it's like, sad dad theater. I don't need I don't oh, need no. to see you work out your shit in my kids' movie, like my animated movie. Like <laughs> that's me being silly about it. Uh but I mean um, Tangled Again was refreshing because it felt like in a way, at least in refreshing in the sense that like these were real issues, but it also still was like so much fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a fun watch. It's the jokes I feel like are pretty solid. The performances are good. The animals are cute as hell. The animals are cute as hell. <laughs> that little chameleon. <laughs> oh, Pascal. So, so it opens with a uh, scene one, which is the lost princess. And it's Zachary Levi giving the voiceover that sort of gives the background and the, All the exposition. Yeah, yeah. The first note I had is that Zachary Levi has such a rich voiceover voice. Yeah. Like there's a timber to it. And I was just like, Oh yeah, that's right. He's got a really nice voice. I forgot about that. He he probably voices over some like serious insurance commercials where exactly. it's just like, <laughs> or like it sucks you something in, you know? to put stocks and bonds. So yeah, we get the, the fable <laughs> in the background, the sunlight sprouted a magic golden flower um, that mother Gothel sort of finds and, and, uh, takes Covets. advantage of. Yeah. I this is I didn't think about it till halfway through, but it doesn't seem like she actually has any magic on her own. I think the major sort of logistical subversion of this fairy tale is that she's not actually a witch. No. She's just using a spell with this one particular magical item. And I don't know if yeah. it's because well, I'm I'm DMing a lot lately that that's where my head went. It's like she's not actually using it. She's not she's a bard. She's not a sorceress. <laughs> well, isn't that truly that the true evils of the world come from, you know, abusive power and, you know, those kind of things. Gaslighting, like, manipulation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of it. All of it. It's not it's not magical, you know. It's just insidious. Yeah. Ugh. It's a fun movie, we swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so essentially Everybody's looking for this flower because the queen gets sick. Uh, they find it and pick it. The queen gets better, has baby blonde hair. Now, is the was the broth? Did that birth the baby? Because that's where I was going with. Like that's where I was like, okay, <laughs> broth baby. She drank this, and then suddenly there was a baby. I mean, is is it is it a magical sort of like in vitro situation, or is it that she was just having a difficult pregnancy and this helped? I this is I mean. I know nothing about. I don't either. About my, my note on here was sperm gestation. broth. And sperm my- broth? <laughs> oh no! Those are not words that should ever be paired together. Wow. Gross, gross, oh, Clancy. Um, and then we jump to present day. Um, she's she's locked uh, in the tower. Mm-hmm. Mother Gothel's been coming and going. She's been absorbing the magic through her hair. It's so creepy. Gothel had found her new magic flower, but this time she was determined to keep it hidden. Why can't I go outside? Honestly, Stephen, I got multiple times through this. I got DD Gypsy Rose vibes. Ooh, multiple times. I was just like, oh, God, I feel like I'm watching the act. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The next part, it it, also watching it. I got me excited because I feel like the next part you're going to describe is. Like, that's what we were all, you know, if we're at home, it's like, that's what we're all going through right now. Yes. Yes. We get into the song. (laughs) When will my life begin? And it's Mandy Moore in her Mandy Morris. Um, And she's a delight. (laughs) But yeah, she starts, you know, listing all the things that she does stuck in her tower. And I'm watching. I'm like, 
this is my social media feed when it's not about, you know, <laughs> the world being on fire. It's, oh, look, I baked. Oh, look what I painted. Oh, look what I crafted. I make, I haven't started making candles yet, but I mean... I do have a barbecue sauce and a hot sauce kit on top of my fridge that I've been wondering, well, maybe I just pull that down. (laughs) (laughs) This song is a to-do list. If you've run out of things to do, just go through the lyrics of this song (laughs) and see if there's anything that you're missing. And then we, so all of that's happening and it's, it's not, it's kind of the, I want song. There's not a whole lot of songs in this movie. No, not really. But I mean, it is the, the sort of like, you know, this is, I want something more than this. I've done everything. What else is there? Um, And we cut to this mission impossible moment. Uh, <laughs> yes with uh an as yet unnamed brigand yeah and he's he's uh scouring the roofs right yes of the palace yeah um and uh they're it's what are the what are their two names stabbington stabbington that's it yeah and only one of them talks and it's um it's ron perlman oh, oh okay. i didn't even know i didn't even recognize that i, I yeah. didn't even recognize him in this movie um so yeah they're on the rooftops yeah like josh said doing this mission impossible flynn is on the end of a rope going down and stealing the crown which is the crown of the princess right yes it's the yeah. princess's crown they successfully take that and then are caught at like the last second like well, what tipped it off it's the hubris of hot people is what it is because <laughs> oh, one of those right. guards sneezes and he's just like Fever? Yeah. Huh? Wait, wait, hey, wait! And he's all like <laughs> smarmy and smirky, and then they're like, as they yank him up. But I mean, it's also that it's it's perfectly setting it up for decon him. It's perfectly setting him up for deconstruction later. Yes, you know. Yes, and and that it like it's. I mean, I think it's meant to feel forced. Yeah, you want it to be over the top. Yeah. Um, so then we get into scene two, which is Mother Knows Best. Yeah. And uh, so this is where we're introduced to Mother Gothel. Um, sort of properly introduced. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, she she calls for Rapunzel to, to pull down her hair. And she says, I'm not getting any younger. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And then my, my note was like, how, such a good joke. how the hell did she get up there before? And like, I mean, this this question is answered later. But like, yes, I that was immediately where I was just like, what, why is. But no, I because you asked that while we were watching it, and I immediately thought, oh my god, ra- she had to raise this child to do that. Like she had to train this girl to use her hair this way. Yeah, just so sad. <laughs> it's so it's sad. So when you scratch it so just gross. a little bit, and it becomes so Ugh. sad. That idea of her having to use her own hair to lift up her mom, and it's like creating that dependency, that sort of Stockholm syndrome kind of. Yep. It, it's all gaslighting. My note is gaslighting and narcissism with like three exclamation points. <laughs> this is abuse. But I mean, that's why she's such a good villain. Because again, it's not about magic power. It's about right. like how she is treating uh, an object that she covets as opposed to a child. Yep. It's gross. It is gross. <laughs> but we get into um, Rapunzel's eager to ask her if she can go out for her birthday. And she does the spell really fast. And the way that Mother Gothel ends up huffing that bit of magic, <laughs> it, it looked like she was doing whippets. <laughs> just <gasps> and she just looked kind of like startled. I'm going to go ride a horse. You know, <laughs> screw your hair. I'm just going to climb down the wall backwards. Yeah. Um, but then we get into Mother Knows Best. 
Mother knows best One way or another Something will go wrong I swear Ruffians, thugs Poison ivy, quicksand Cannibals and snakes The plague no. Yes but... Also large bugs Men with pointy teeth And stop no more You'll just upset me Mother's right here Mother will protect you Darling, here's what I suggest I'm, I have mixed feelings about this song because it's a it's such a good song and it's so well performed, but God, it's awful. It is yeah. awful. Yeah. Yeah. And at one point she calls her her pet, which is just gross. Multiple times. Like, can't do it's that. all terms of endearment. She very, you know, it's very rarely my daughter yeah. or even her by name unless she's being <laughs> bad. Yeah. She was hiding in her hair at one point and I thought that was super cute. She sort of wrapped up. <laughs> yeah. You could say that this film gives an unrealistic expectation that young people will get saved from their shady narcissistic parents by a dashing dreamy narcissist. <laughs> But truly, she's not a good mother because she's not a mother. She's a kidnapper. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's a good point. They, they almost don't distinguish that enough now that I think about it in this movie. No, but but I feel like they probably really wanted to just focus on that idea of like your parents yeah. aren't always the best. And that's OK, because you can find a different I mean, you can create a situation. You find your love. You find your family. Yeah. You know. It's wholesome, ultimately. So then we actually get to meet uh, Flynn Rider. Yeah. So uh, they they pull down the like wanted poster off of a tree, and he's looking at it, and his nose is all jacked up on it. And I <laughs> and I just I love that that's a motif throughout the movie. Yes. yes. His his nose is just different in everyone. Yes. Um, I mean, because that means that somebody was hand drawing that every time. Yep. So like, and at one point, like it's even <laughs> a plot point. One point when the Horace Maximus is looking for him and sees a poster, and he like cu- puts a hoof up over the nose, and he's just like, "It is him." <laughs> <laughs> it's a great writing gag. Yeah. Also, this horse, I love him as well. Like, <laughs> yes. What's his name again? Maximus. Maximus. Yeah. Clancy grew up with horses, so anytime there's a horse in any of this, we like I'm a, I'm we, a horse girl. You well, know. He, he, I mean, he's treated like a like a, a general. Like he's, I love that he's yeah. kind oh, yeah. of, and I'm sure you've commented on each thing you've watched about the level of anthropomorphization of like, yes, how people like the animals are. And I yeah. just love mm-hmm. that this movie. To me, I I always my my personal preference, and I want to hear yours. I prefer it when the animals still look like animals, but can act like people because, in a sense. Like, especially somebody like Rapunzel, where it's like, maybe Pascal is just a normal chameleon, but from her perspective, she is seeing, you know, having a cat, like, I am kind of projecting reactions from her to things that I do. Oh, sure. Yes. And so, to me, I love the animal animal representation in this, because it's not so much that they're, like, talking and, you know, have human faces or what, you know, it's not like the Cats musical, you know, where they... Make them so realistic that they have to get rid of the buttholes. Like, you know, um, I I like when animals look like animals, but we can we see those things, those kind of, you know, I do something and then my cat looks at me and I'm like, what? What are you you judging me? You know, like to me, that movie had this feel to it. Yes, absolutely. In the same way, like our cat Martini, we've had her for just over a year. Oh, she is so conversational (laughs) and we'll just we'll have we'll have a chat. She'll meow. I'll respond. (laughs) She'll meow. I'll respond. And it's just, it's an ongoing conversation usually about whether or not um, something is in scope or budget um, (laughs) or whether or not she's paid rent lately. I know I need someone to take me. I think he's telling the truth too. Doesn't have fangs. But what choice do I have? (sighs) 
Okay, Flynn Rider. But it, you know, be- between Pascal and Rapunzel and then Maximus and the rivalry that he has with Flynn, like, is so, so it feels timeless. It, the jokes are like on point and like, I feel like it doesn't get tired. I feel like newer newer movies in general with animals, I feel like they give animals agency more. Like it feels like yes, Pascal sure. and Maximus are like, they're on their own journeys, even though they're not like humans. Like they have a character. Arc. Yeah, 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 totally. But I mean, to your, even to your point where, you, you know, Maximus is like a general when the captain of the guard gives the orders, it pans down and Maximus gives orders to the other horse, which in and of itself implies that. There's a hierarchy. The, there's not just that there's a hierarchy, but that there could be disagreement between the potential orders. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> because the other horses are listening to Maximus, not their riders. I believe this is in the animated sequel, but there's like a moment where like, I think it's Maximus almost does like an at ease gentleman to like two people guarding <laughs> Rapunzel's I love door. So, something like that. But anyway, so Flynn's yes, he's running from the Stabbingtons. He's running from Maximus. He stumbles through a leaf curtain and finds the tower, just like I did in kingdom hearts three. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That was the point where I was like, Oh, I remember this. <laughs> Cause it's the same. It's literally the exact it, same shot it, and it's gorgeous on a PS4 pro. Wow. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so he goes up, um, climbs into the tower to be alone with the crown and gets smacked with the frying pan. Yep. This was, we, Brennan and I were just like, I mean, as far as like violence goes, I feel like tangled has a lot of like, it's much, PG. I have a cast iron fry, like frying pan. Mm-hmm. You would kill. She ki- killed him like multiple times. He's yep. dead. And the rest of the movie is just a dream in his in his <laughs> afterlife. Like, could you the, imagine? Like, and she keeps hitting him over and over again. And it's not even really played for laughs either. It's just no. sort of like a thing or whatever. I mean, I mean, at the beginning of the movie, he said he, he died. I mean, even though he was brought back, like this could all. <laughs> he never specified about what point he, he died, died the at. first time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, you're absolutely right because like the, it's animated so well, the heft is there. Yeah. It looks like it looks that frying pan looks like one of the most realistically animated things in the film outside of the paper lanterns. Yeah. Sure. Like everything else has that soft cartoony kind of feel, but that cast iron skillet looks like a cast iron skillet, <laughs> which I think is what gives it that sort of it's gravitas to a degree. Right. And yeah. just like, Oh God, he's dead. He's it's that um, it's that Simpsons. It's Ralph crying. Stop, stop. He's already dead. Yeah, even <laughs> the swords and stuff in this don't have that same. Like the swords are are whimsical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the frying pan. Exactly. <laughs> the frying pan has the physical weight. The paper lamps have the emotional weight, mm. and that's where they spent all of the. I don't know. I'm just talking on my ass now. <laughs> um. So yeah, she she traps him and interrogates him. Uh, hides the crown because that's clearly all he's after. Even though like it, first it was in the pot and he guessed it, and then she knocked him out again. Crammed him in that closet, crammed his fingers in the door. She broke bones. She yeah. killed him. And then, I mean, he, it's it's the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. She was yeah. trying to stuff his broken body into a, a <laughs> bureau. This also this scene also reminds me a lot about when like learning about cults and things where it's like, you know, <laughs> because it's that idea. It's like you cut off all your relationships with the outside world. And then, oh, my God. And you've been taught. I forget what I was learning. I mean, this gets into like the um, Warren Jeffs and shit like that, but like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, I think it was last podcast on the left. The way they talked about it is that even though what I'm like, what mother Gothel, even even though like how I'm abusing you is so horrible, the outside world is even worse. 
So it's better to just be in here where at least you know what it is and this is safe. I mean, it's just it's like there's that like trauma of like, here's the thing that I've been warned about, you know, and she is just of course she would be shoot to kill, you know, (laughs) like at that point, because it's the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't. Yeah. Mother Gothel comes back and then she's like, I'm going to make turnip soup. No, it's the hazelnut soup. (laughs) And she got parsnips for it. Got it. Great. I love your memory. But I guess they're vegans. That's nice. Sure. <laughs> she comes back with it's like four parsnips in that basket. Where have you been all day? Yeah. I, I want to cut to her being like at a casino, you know, <laughs> fucking slots, like old timey slots. <laughs> Just chain smoking. She's got the bucket of coins. But what is she drinking? What cocktail is she getting for free at that slot machine? <laughs> Ooh, she's getting something like really gross. Like a, it's a like tequila a daiquiri. sunrise. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking it's like a, a tequila daiquiri. sunrise. <laughs> It's a tequila sunrise da- from the daiquiri bar, the place that's like the spinny drinks. Like yeah. there's like five of them in the what's that in Caesars. And I mean, it makes sense because like the thing that she liked came from the sun. So that's like, what, it all just ties together. That's the joke. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> um, so they so she yes, she comes back and this is where like the abuse gets real because she she says that or, or Rapunzel is trying to make a case for her to go see these lanterns. Yes. And Gothel's playing dumb. She's like, oh, you mean the stars? Silly. Right. No. And uh, and and then she has an idea with I, I don't know how she's going to what he would have done to to she, her point was that she thought Mother Gothel's biggest concern is that Rapunzel couldn't take care of herself. In right. The outside and world. now she had a, she a was going to prove to right. no, no, no. She was going to prove that she could by saying, look at this person I captured who tried to write this. Intruder. Oh, yeah, because she was able to. OK, that makes more sense. But yeah, it's like in those kind of abusive relationships and cults, it's like you have you can you you have to eliminate uh, a person's agency completely. Heaven's Gate, mm-hmm. uh, Jonestown, like you are not capable. I I am your you know, the leader is the source of life. And yep. like, yeah, there's no like Ugh. you can't you can't give them. <laughs> Because they know that the moment they see that it's better, like they you see through the crack, like well, I mean, you're describing the plot of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, and it's just like yeah. the you know the moment that you you like talk to somebody and they're like, no, it's actually like this, and then it's like, wh- like it the it all start you know the braid it's- in that tangle starts to unravel exactly uh, because she does she does that that's the turn here she's just like shut up no. You're not going. Um, now I'm the bad guy and I'm going to put my foot down. And she does. She does that that exact pivot. You are not leaving this tower ever. Oh, great. Now I'm the bad guy. And Rapunzel sort of backs away and and. I'm, I'm wondering what's going through her head thinking, well, now I have to get rid of this. Oh, well, that's the plant. Like well, she, she wants to get rid of her mom. So she sends her out for something. It's the paint. Take, right. The paint that's going to take. Because she knew it days. would take three days yeah. to get that paint. And she sort of huffs about it. But Rapunzel's like, well, I'll shut up about this other thing if you do this. And so she's like, OK, I'll go. You're, you're sure you're fine. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And that's where Rapunzel decides to make the deal with Flynn. Uh, but I also want to say, like, she was sending her mother away for. And the mother said, like, it was going to take three days for yes. this to happen. I don't feel like it was three days away. Well, again, like Steven said, she's going to spend some time at the casino. She got that pain <laughs> at the casino. It was a story she told because she couldn't leave the craps table because she was on a good run. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is why so many, so many, uh, you know, men from previous generations have secret families and shit, because it's like, 
they are creating these like illusions and it's like, <laughs> oh, this thing's actually three days away, but it's probably just Mother Gothel just being like, I'm sick of like, I need this person for to keep me young. Mm-hmm. But like, I actually don't like this. Why would I want to hang out with a little girl? She's probably, you know, again, at the slots or yeah, because she doesn't live there. No, not at I all. I guess that's the. It's, I guess it's not that she's going away and she's away all day. It's that she's visiting once or however many times a day. Yeah, I actually was unclear about that. So she doesn't live there. I don't think that she does. No, because there's not. There's only one bedroom. That's yeah. True, yeah. Yeah. Huh. huh. But yeah, so like as as she was leaving and they're doing the I love you, I love you more. That's where I had the first note about Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose. Because like <laughs> all of that, like, I love you the most. No, I love you the most. And that, just remembering that from both the documentary and the act, I was just like, oh, no, <laughs> bad, bad vibes. Um, So, we, yes, they're going on to make the deal. He's going to protect her uh, while she, the, she goes out to see the lamps in exchange for the crown, which he's now successfully hidden. Um, and we get the when will my life, my life begin reprise in this part where she's like she goes down and she's on the verge of it and like she stops just before the grass and then there is that whole like it's um uh, the, the way that abusers like uh, she feels guilt she yeah. feels guilt for feeling joy yeah, yeah yeah but yeah so like they it's this whole montage and and he's they they Focus on her feet a lot. Yeah, because she doesn't wear I was shoes. Like, Quinn Tarantino direct this? I mean, <laughs> but yeah, she clearly doesn't wear shoes. And all I can think is, well, either her feet are calloused as hell because Hobbit style, Hobbit style, walking around that stone floor all day, or they're like super soft and sensitive. So I'm just imagining the sensation of. Well, she can actually use her hair to lift her off of the ground so she doesn't have as much weight. Oh, she's like, um, she's like Sindel or. Uh, <laughs> Um, Dr. Octopus. Dr. Octopus or the one from um, The Inhumans. Gosh, why can't I remember? Medusa? Was it Medusa? No, I don't remember her. I don't either. Moving right along. So Mother Gothel, she realizes that something might be wrong. Oh, because she runs into Maximus. Yeah. Because Maximus is hiding and he hides behind that rock and that tree in the shape of a horse. (laughs) Always good. And then jumps out to scare her and she's not phased by it, but she realizes that it's a royal horse. Yeah, it's a horse from the Royal Guard. She's like, where's your rider? Which eh, eh, because his name's Flynn Rider. Eh, it's a pun. You get the jokes, kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she turns around. And I mean, I think this is two points converging because Clancy, you made the point while we were watching that she she hadn't gotten very far. Yeah. Maybe it's because Truly. she was just actually on the way to the casino. There was no haste in no. her in her leaving. But she she gets back and calls for Rapunzel. And this is where we realize that there's the secret trap door. Right. And that all makes more sense in this way. I should just, yeah, not, I should just watch it. And she's so enraged that she pulls the <laughs> curtains down. Where's my daughter? I hate these curtains. Um, and no yeah, wire hangers. Ah, yeah. It's a mommy dearest moment, but there's just no, there's no, um, human to abuse. So she's just, she takes it out on everything around sound her. and yeah. fury signifying nothing. Yeah. And this is where we <laughs> see her. She opens the drawer that has the dagger in it. Oh, that, that's the dagger drawer, the dagger drawer. Just, you know, <laughs> just the in the bedside table. Yeah. And there's a, the, we had it in our notes for the end, but there's a, that's daggers a reference, isn't it? Yeah. It's the same dagger that um, they had in hunchback of Notre Dame. Frollo used. Oh, yeah. wow. Right. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's the same exact style. That's so, Mm. This is all the all the Disney cinematic universe stuff. I, we talk about you know, that every every time there's one of Tarzan these. and Frozen and all that, but that got debunked <laughs> multiple times. But every time another movie comes out, there's a there's a pages long screed about how it's all connected. Still, <laughs> all I care about is that Brenna pointed out that uh, in Frozen Two, I think Elsa is making like toys or something for the kids, and yes. one of them is a dinosaur. 
Yes. So like the idea that like dinosaurs once existed in the frozen universe, like that's all I care about. With the 3D stuff, it does feel like they're trying to set things more realistically, but then you start going down the rabbit hole of that connected universe. And yeah. I just can't. <laughs> um, so anyway, they're, they're out in a boot. We know that, um, that mother Gothel is now on their tail. And in order to try to shake Rapunzel, Flynn takes her to a gay dive bar. I mean, the snuggly duckling. <laughs> I mean, basically. <laughs> I mean, it's all these dudes in leather who all have these really artistic <laughs> dreams. They're great singers. They can play the piano. How is it not like the leather designer. version of Marie's yeah. Crisis in New York? <laughs> so, so you've been to places like this I mean, before. yes, this is exactly. It's like it's like a, the Iron Bear in downtown Austin, like when they have karaoke night. That's what this is. <laughs> and again, it's like this movie. It's cool because it is sincere, like. All these all these dudes have, are like, I'm not the villain. I am not who I am perceived to be. Right. Yeah. I'm not my I have gone down a path, but that's not necessarily reflective of who I am as a person. Like my job isn't my my contributions to a capitalist society do not determine who I am. as Do, do not determine my worth kind of <laughs> exactly. thing. Exactly. Or what I value. Yeah. But it's it's also it's a joke. But then it's also like you feel for all of these guys, you know, yeah. and what they really want to do. Like it really truly is still sincere even though it's a joke Toe would like to quit and be a florist Gunter does interior design Ulf is into mine Attila's cupcakes are sublime Bruiser knits killer souls Bender's little puppet shows And Vladimir collects ceramic unicorns So goofy this whole musical number is goofy Oh yeah and it really is about a bunch of hyper-masculine presenting individuals going, no, I really like this soft thing. Yeah, Gunther does interior design. Gunther does interior design? <laughs> like, it, yeah, the, and I went down, there was a whole list. Like, this is this is a bunch of of leather bears fighting over a uh, muscle twink <laughs> is, is sort of like my high-level take on this entire scene. Um, there's that head turn with the hook-handed guy when she hits him. Like, it's just that snap. The how dare you hit me with the tree look? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and yes, there's a where to go. There's a florist, an interior designer. Oh, I was gonna say, isn't there somebody with tiny miniatures? Yeah, he likes the little porcelain unicorns. There's a mime. Yeah, yeah, because those those porcelain unicorns come up later. Yes. Yeah, it's like it, 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 they become a form of secret code later. Yeah, I'm telling you, all of this is a is it's a <laughs> metaphor for hey, gay folks ain't that bad. Any anything else from the snuggling duckling that snuggly duckling that you wanted to call out, Clance? Just that there was a cute goat at one point. <laughs> it reminded me of the goat from Thunder Mountain. I wonder if that's what it is. <laughs> the one that when you turn the corner and you point at. Have you ever done this, Stephen? When you're on Big Thunder Mountain at Disneyland and you're coming down the hill and there's, there's a the goat with and he has like a stick of dynamite in his mouth. There's this. Yes. There's this thing that people will do where you look at the goat and point at the goat and keep looking at it as you turn and you get kind of like a bit of loopy vertigo off of it. Oh, no, I haven't. It's silly, yeah. but we do it every time. Yeah. I, f I forget if I've told you, but, I, you know, J Disneyland was my first job in <gasps> high school. Oh, really? I didn't know. I worked, Wait, did we talk yeah, about this? Yeah. Yeah, my first job, I worked at Pizza Port. I just, you know, I just served pizza. But like, that's adorable. You know, so it wasn't as magical or anything like that. <laughs> but, and I actually, when I worked at Disneyland, even though I worked under Space Mountain, those were the years that Space Mountain were under construction. Oh, so so every day when I'd go to work, you could see, the back was open, so you could I could <gasps> see inside. Oh that wow, was really cool. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. Um, so we're <laughs> there. 
going off the back of the gay bar. Yeah. So like they, they went through their, the trap door. Yes. Um, but he's asking, um, you know, he's going through the list of things that he can't talk about. And then he asks why she's never gone to the, the, the lantern festival before. And the note that I just have is because of my mother's Munchausen's by proxy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maximus uses his nose to see that, Oh, they've gone in this tunnel and behind. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But also how did the horse get in that hole? That was not that big. Horses are liquid. <laughs> Horses are liquid. It was a very, it was kind of like a Columbo or Poirot or even kind of Sherlock Holmesian air about him as he was sniffing out that secret passage. Yeah. And he's just looking at all the guards like they're fucking idiots. And when he tips that beer tap over in the, because it's like the duck one and there's the painted duck on the floor and that's where the floor drops out. Yeah. And he's oh, just yeah. like amateurs. This sassy ass horse. Was it like one of those things where like, if a horse can fit its head in, the rest of its body can fit through. Like a cat? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a rat. Or a rat. Yeah, all those videos of like cats coming under bedroom doors that like those vine combinations. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's just like, what? It- Full Capri Sun, Alex Mack style. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. So this is where we get to um, the dam. They're being chased through the tunnel by the guards and the horse. And we get to this ravine that is also a dam. Yeah. And as they come out to that ledge, the Stabbington brothers are coming down <laughs> from below. Yeah. They've come in the other way. So they're kind of, they're kind of cornered. Yes. Right. And one of the captions for Maximus in this moment is uh neighing challengingly <laughs> when he's got the sword in his mouth. It, it, yeah. The caption is just neighing challengingly. And I'm like, who decided <laughs> Well, you just read that on a script and like, and then the, 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 the voice actor, whoever does the horse, you know, <laughs> I wait, sorry. It. Can we get, can we get that a little more neighbor, aggressive this time? Yeah. Like, like you really want to fight this person. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> imagine if a horse tried to square up and fight you, but also he's got a sword in his mouth. Right. So make sure it sounds like you're wrapping the sound around the hill. You know what? You're a professional. We'll we'll just try. Let's just uh, give it give it to us a few different ways. Go ahead. But yeah, there's this whole action scene because they get across. You know, Rapunzel saves him by whipping her hair around. Yeah, uh, she whips her hair back and forth. She whips her hair back and forth. Um, <laughs> and Eugene gets across. For, oh wait, we he ta- he tells her her he tells her his name is Eugene Fitzherbert. Um, but essentially they um what happens here at what is essentially what it's the act one finale transitioning into act two. Pretty much. Um, what we get for act three and frozen two, except it's all an accident and nobody meant to do it. And they just, uh, flood something because they break a dam. <laughs> if somebody had a house around there, it's, if there's there any anymore. small villages around the city of Corona, <laughs> cause that was a lot of water. It was so much way. It was a tidal wave. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, as we're having discussions lately about like changing, um, splash mountain because it's content is, quite a bit problematic um i thought oh maybe maybe splash mountain could be a tango ride because this could all fit because you know he starts surfing down at one point yeah it made honestly it made me miss water rides we were supposed to go to schlitterbahn in texas this summer but they they get down to the bottom uh water's all coming in they they get into this like little uh, mine shaft and a big rock pillar uh blocks um, them in blocks them in but not enough for like the water to get in because i thought that came down i was like if that seals off the water, that is insanely lucky. And it didn't like it filled up with water. It's like, okay, this is, I, this is a lot more believable. For yeah. Sure. But harrowing, uh, harrowing. And uh, I mean, it was a, a little claustrophobic for sure. The tension was, was yeah. Palpable. And they were trying to like hit up on the rocks and yeah, he slits his hand at one point. Yeah. And then she, she's like, well, don't freak out about this, but, uh, and then starts <laughs> singing her song that makes her hair glow. Yes. And then they find a way out. 
And yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, there's no light. We can't get out. She's like, oh, funny you should mention light. Um, <laughs> and she starts the incantation and then I guess continues to hum it under the water. I get. I, I think there's, well, there's kind of like a, once you've initiated it, it has a cooldown. So like it, it will. We don't have a whole lot of, of information about how this magic actually works. What's the meta on this? You <laughs> exactly. Know? What's, what's the stat data? What are the frame counts between? How many spell slots is she using? How much exactly. mana does this cost? I just started playing Mortal Kombat 11 and they actually in the game, you can they now show you the frame data of like every attack. Oh my God. So if you really want to get into the meta of the game, you can actually like study it. It's all on the surface. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's intense. Um, so we're into the woods, which is a funny name for the scene considering. And I don't know that it was a fair trade off that, Oh, this is really my name. And Oh, here's my secret magic power. That didn't seem like an <laughs> equal exchange. <laughs> no, but they, they're we're, now they're drying off at the campfire and she's going a bit more into the detail about, um, her hair and how, if it gets cut, it turns Brown it, and loses its power. And all I could think was look, blondes don't need any more reason. Like <laughs> she's, Oh, it's, you know, and it's not magical. It's Brown. It's like, hold on a second. Look, bitch, <laughs> dial it back with the shade. But yeah, he talks about having gotten his, his new name, the Flynn Rider name from a book, from a story. And I'm curious if you've, cause I haven't thought about this, but like the evolution of the sort of, idealized male hero in Disney movies. And, mm. you know, this feels like, you know, again, another deconstruction of like, he's just like a little sad fuck boy on the inside, you know, essentially. <laughs> and it's like, he, you know, this is the, this is the gal to turn him, you know, straight, you know, like my wild ways are over, but like, I, I so to me, it's, it feels a little bit cliche in that sense, because that feels like a classic deconstruction, but it, sure. he, he truly is like a good, guy at the end of it it's not he's like han solo in that sense we're like yes. han solo is posturing but ultimately he's still he han solo never really did anything shitty no and i don't feel like flynn is truly like i feel like he's the kind of person that maybe like when he hooked up with the stabbington brothers like he's probably like on the inside being like well like they're like all right now you got to kill this guy and he's like what you know like before he could pretend to be cool like i feel like Flynn probably never really did anything that bad in his life of crime. It seems, I mean like the, you know, and he talks about his dream and just being alone with a lot of stuff and how it all is sort of like a comparison and almost a highlighting of how it's very possible for, for mm, when you're a kid who potentially doesn't come from means or is in a situation where you're comparing what you have, because that's something that all kids do. This, these are the things that I have and that's what they have. And it's, it to a degree is kind of normalizing having the feeling without necessarily casting value on it or, or yeah. any sort of judgment on it because what it parallels Flynn and, and Rapunzel's story parallel. They want more than what the situation was. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think that to that end, he, that character archetype begins to deconstruct when it sees itself in a mirror. That's a good point. Yeah. But I, I think you're absolutely right that like <laughs> he's he's probably never been this open and vulnerable with anybody yeah. um, because yeah. I think he has compared like, because he's saying to himself, I think that, that the care and I mean, who, who knows? Who knows if any of this is accurate? But what I'm getting mm -hmm. is he is saying, I thought I had it bad, essentially. And that's what makes yeah. him go, oh, OK, well, I can share and I can grow and I can. Yeah. And then she proceeds to just call him Eugene throughout the rest of the movie, just yes. screaming that out to everyone. Just like 
It's not like he's going like, look at her magical hair the entire time, you know, but come on. True. It's not like she kept the secret. I think yes. is the point that you're making, but also I think Yay. it's, it's a point in his credit that he doesn't get mad about it. That's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it feels it. good, you know? Yeah. But I, well, and also, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that sort of like the, the worst case scenario of the situation is a Gollum Smeagol sort of take on it <laughs> where it's Flynn versus Eugene. Um, but what were you going to say, Steven? Oh, I, I wanted to say also, I think to your point of like seeing him in a way, maybe he sees himself in Rapunzel a little bit of like the naivete, the sort of still kind of believing in the world where it's almost like, I think this is, I feel like there's a lot of characters who they feel like they have to break themselves because the world is cruel. Mm. And Flynn is very much in that vein where it's mm. like he, but it's like, you don't have to be that way to live in this world. It, but it's like, it was just easier for him yeah. to go down that path, but he sees uh, like a strength in Rapunzel, but also she's still and and like you're saying, like she's been in kind of a, a bad situation, but she's still able to, you know, sort of deal with it in a way that feels um, not destructive. You know, she is yeah. not going on to, you know, it, and you know, obviously I'm not an expert on any of this, but it's just like that idea of like, do you, do you go on to abuse the next generation or whatever? Or do you right. learn from, you know, like, I feel like there's a little bit of that element and Flynn actually sees uh, he's like inspired by her strength in a way to be a better person. Yeah. And the thing that she's getting fulfilled by is just the experience of the outside world. And I think that there's a degree of reflection of like, Oh, she can find this much joy in that. And I've been ignoring it because True, like yeah. if she took his track to like, uh, this is this is the world I knew and this is what I want. She'd just be running up to all those food carts and cramming things in her face. Just like, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Oh, what is all of this? Who are you? Is that a dog? What's happening? Like she yeah. just, but it's, it's so much more, wholesome than that yeah um but yeah mother gothel comes back yeah she does she comes back uh she has the crown with her and is essentially saying like do you want to actually see who he truly is give him this and see what he does it's another layer of manipulation because yeah. like she has previously sort of gotten the stabbington brothers on her side with the crown as well and she and it's it's that it's that cult leadership it's like oh here's the thing that you want <laughs> but i can give you more it's and the Joker breaking the uh, the poles. Yes. And, you know, letting the people fight over. It. Yep. And then she's going to do the exact same thing using the exact same tools to manip manipulate Rapunzel. And she doesn't even have to push too hard. All she has to do is wait. Because yep. Rapunzel doesn't give him the crown right away. Then they go on to have, you know, the best day ever yeah. before he's before the crown. But that's what she's setting up is like, if you you want to you want to see if I'm right. You want to see if you're right? Because we get that reprise of Mother Knows Best and it's Rapunzel Knows Best. Rapunzel Knows Best. Fine, if you're so sure now, go ahead and give him this. How did you? This is why he's here. Don't let him deceive you. Give it to him what you see. I will. Trust me, my dear. That's how fast he'll leave you. I won't say I told you so. No, Rapunzel Knows Best. So if he's such a dream, and it's that whole sort of like power structure and manipulation thing. We're like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, the world's going to eat you up and you'll wish that I was here. Bye bye. Yeah. This movie to me, I think this is when I started to really, really like this movie because I feel like in a traditional movie, this would be like the final scene. Like this would yeah. be, this would be before the climax and like the movie would end with them seeing the light show and everything. But the fact that like all this is happening, like 
like you were saying, like probably like beginning of act two kind of structure. Yeah. It's like, Oh, anything is possible in this movie now. Like it doesn't feel like a traditionally structured movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so she sets this up. Rapunzel has the satchel. She manages to hide it. Then they proceed to have the best day of her life. Yeah. <laughs> they also run into Maximus and they sort of, she tames Maximus. Yes. Cause he keeps wanting to, to chase. Um, he, well, he gets Flynn's boot. Yes. And there's a whole thing about that. Maximus shows up, grabs the boot or like, I guess like while they're sleeping, right? Yeah. Well, yeah he's like, he's trying to take him. He's trying to, he's found, he's arrest found his quarry. He's trying to arrest him. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Um, so she sort of like goes up horse whispers a little bit to, <laughs> to Maximus and kind of brings them on their side. A yes. Little bit. Well, she says, you know, it's my birthday. I just, he's, he's <laughs> my, he's my escort. He's my bodyguard. After I'm done with him, you can have him. I just need 24 Everybody's hours. Everybody's making deals in this movie. Everybody's making deals. <laughs> Which feels, it just feels, that's the stuff that feels very modern, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, and I actually took a fairy tales class in college. I was oh. an English minor at UCSB and I took fairy tales class. We actually didn't do Rapunzel. In terms of like structure and studying like what they're yeah, supposed yeah. to do and that sort of thing. Yeah, because yeah. we would basically, every fairy tales class is basically here's all the original fairy tales and here's how they stack up against the Disney version. Oh. But then here's some really cool postmodern ones. Like we read a, a Bluebeard's egg uh, story adaptation by Margaret Atwood. That was amazing. Oh, Bluebeard, cool. the Bluebeard fairy tale is my favorite, but yeah, it's like the, it's almost like the characters know that they live in a fairy tale world and they're sort of like, it's almost like they're breaking their own world by like, yeah, making all these deals and like, yeah, the characters know what's right and wrong, but they're doing things that are wrong, but maybe for the right reasons, which feels a little bit subversive, juicy. Yeah. And ju yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like it. And you're right. It, it gives it gives this one a bit more meat, I think. I mean, just anything where you where the end of the movie is the middle, then yes. what's after that? And that makes it so much more interesting. Absolutely. So, yeah, they're in Corona. This is set up. Um, we had a note. We found a note on this that it was kind of like meant to look like Disneyland. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Yeah. As they're coming in, it's supposed to be like kind of what it looks like when you walk into Disney World. Yeah. yeah. Um, and her hair is getting all in the way. And Flynn sees the, the quartet of uh, redheaded children braiding each other's hair and sort of like motions them over. And all four of those girls gasp with delight. Yeah. The girl, the girl braid club. The, it's the girl braid club. Yeah. And they, they do what, I mean, the, and this is how, when you're at the parks now and you see Rapunzel as a face character, this is the wig look. It's that it's all braided up and sort of tied up with flowers uh, in it. Yeah. So that it, like when she's not in a parade, when she's in a parade or on a float, like usually it's it like all wrapped out. around the float. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's experiencing the world and they have, they do the, like the, um, cause it's the festival day, you know, with the, with the lamps and stuff and all festival mm -hmm. day ends very somber. And this is a point I made earlier, you know, because Rapunzel connects the dots and she's like, this happens on my birthday every year. Why did Mother Gothel just tell her her birthday was a different day? Yeah, any other day. Any and other day. Like, and she wouldn't have been as curious about it. it's even more cruel. I, I, mean, I mean, it's even more cruel. You're not wrong. You're absolutely <laughs> not wrong about that. Um, but they do this like whole like festival dance and yeah, they're, dancing they're, in the they're kind of like falling in love. Yeah. And this was a rhythm mini game in Kingdom Hearts 3. There was a whole thing where you <laughs> had to dance in time oh, with villagers right. in the square. Oh my gosh. But yeah. So it this all leads of course to um, them, you know, the ceremonial, you know, paper lamp releasing the King and queen getting ready for that. I almost, I thought for a second when they were about to go out and set out the, that like the King and queen, were going to send the lantern out. Yeah. That I, I was like me. It looked like he maybe was not going to do it that year. Like, yeah, cause he was, he was like, like he's being a sad dad about it. It's been 18 years. Sad She's dad. not coming back. I'm not going to do this anymore. And could you imagine if yeah. that would have happened? 
And I love seeing the vulnerability of the father here and the crying, but I also feel like, uh, is it too tired of a trope that like the mother has to be the strong one because she lost a child too? Yeah. Why can't she have tears that he can wipe away? My, my question is, is this the first, this isn't the first time a, a dad has cried in a Disney movie. Or is it? Uh, I like. I can't think of anything in my. I head can't right think now. of anything as sincere as this is presented. But I want to say, one of the kings in Sleeping Beauty might cry. Um, but I don't know that there's any other uh, specifically father figures that I can think of that even come to so, mind. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> why can't Why can't both people be crying and be there? For exactly, each other? exactly. Because that's what a healthy relationship is. We're both vulnerable. <laughs> we're supporting one another. Exactly. Um, and I love the idea of doing a paper lantern festival like this. But how 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 environmentally friendly is it? It can't be. <laughs> Where are all those lanterns? Forty five thousand paper lanterns. All of a sudden, the people from Frozen are like this fiery. The sky is lit up with fiery lanterns. It's just ash. It's just raining ash. What if, it, like, Elsa has what to if it's like, like a war tactic? Like they they know that the wind is going in the direction of one of their foes, and they just let all these lanterns out as a festival, <laughs> and then that just burns another village. That's like a rightful oh village. Oh my god! Or I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but Flynn and Rapunzel are the only people on the water, right? Yeah. There are bigger boats. There are. They're, oh, okay. they're the furthest oh, okay. out. Because because you think so many, like, you think about fireworks or, like, growing up, like, there'd be a hill. Yeah. For every, and, and in Los Angeles, like, everyone goes to Griffith Park to watch the fireworks or goes on top of rooftops. Sure. Uh, my sister lives in Chicago. And, like, you know, there's houses around Wrigley Stadium that have freaking bleachers on top of the roof and they like charge money to like look into it's like why isn't the water just crowded with people like you know you would think but also i liked because when they when they do the pan shot and it goes through like the major thoroughfare that's very um it's like um uh god is it it's not gondor um the city at the end of Lord of the Rings. Um, Minus Tirith. Minus Minus Tirith, Tirith. yes. But like, I like how that long road goes all the way down from the, you know, the castle at the top, but there's like almost like block parties, like little pockets of people all the way down releasing their own. And I was just like, oh, I like that as a, as a touch, as a treat. Yeah. I mean, that it would be more fun to release lanterns with a big, with a group of people. Yeah. As opposed to like by yourself. I I mean, I didn't want to jump into the song, but the song sounds like kiss the girl a little bit. It does. it does. And yeah. I and I made the note that they don't actually start like the characters don't start singing the song until it's a true duet. Like it's in their heads oh, and yeah. then they grasp hands and then they're singing at each other as the lights go up. Yeah. And this is the only duet they do in the movie. Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Um, and then at one point she reaches out and, and gives one lantern a hand and it's the one with the Corona symbol on it that looks like the one that her father releases. Um, I love the guitar in the song though. And I didn't know that Zachary Levi until I saw this movie. I didn't know that he had that great of a singing voice. Like he's got pipes. She's here. It's crystal clear. I'm where I'm meant to go. Last I see the light and it's like the fog is lifted. And last I see the light. rich gorgeous pipes i mean as much as a song was my first entry into this movie i the music is is okay to me overall in this yeah movie. And, there, and then there's not a lot of it kind of like earlier 
your earlier point about Emperor's New Groove, the only song that gets sung in that movie is the title song at the very beginning. Um, yeah, this one, when- it's almost all orchestrations. It's very light on the actual like singing. Well, and I think that's why at first the, to me, there was something so beguiling about this movie. Mm. Is that the right way to use that word? Yeah. Like, because it's, and I think that's how people felt about the original frozen where the movie is so lopsided, Mm -hmm. you know, I think frozen two is way more even as far as music goes. And even in pacing, like it's, it's a lot better paced than the first one. I thought Where it's like frozen. It's like, four songs in a row and then no more music like the yep. rest of the movie pretty much yeah then and i think like this sisters like that's the rest of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I feel like this movie too the mute like it, that's probably my my maybe my one complaint i mean i love i mean i do enjoy the music but it's just like i don't know how to process it with the actual movie that i'm watching like it feels a little bit separate then we get like into the betrayal um and this is where the stabbington brothers come back yeah, and rather than just having an open communication with this woman who he has to, to so far been open with, he just sees them and goes, "I have to take care of something," and disappears without explanation. And she's yeah. just left to wait. If he had just said, "I'm going to go give them this crown and then come back," then she would have known. But again, then where would the movie? It wouldn't be the same movie, right? <laughs> I always communication. I always chastise characters for impacting the plot. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> well, I mean, they had to get them to their lowest point right here. So, I mean, it like it yes. makes sense that like he would he would still be struggling with with some of that insecurity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like this is this is where Mother Gothel is using her sort of like master manipulation cult leader stuff because it's all <laughs> it's all of these threads that she's laid out coming to an end. But she's even then able to take care of her confederates while also winning Rapunzel back over because she yeah. comes back and yeah. she says. See what I said about Flynn was true because she sees what she thinks is Flynn returning the crown to the yeah. city. Um, and also the world is dangerous, but just like I said, I would, I have saved you from the danger and it's time for us to go. You know what this is? It's like those horrible men who like fake a car crash and die <gasps> like, and then propose to the, to the person that they're dating <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Have you seen any of those? It's just like pure manipulation. Wait, what? <laughs> There's, there's probably like a bunch of these and like you might need to snopes a few of them but there's (laughs) these kind of things where it's like it's like the worst version of a um what's it called when everyone gets together and dance uh, and sings it it was very popular in weddings for a while fun dance time obnoxious thing what is it called why can't i remember what when you're at a mall and a bunch of people suddenly know the same dance oh flash mob flash mob thank you thank you thank you yeah, it, it, but it's like the worst version of a flash mob where there because there was a story probably like five years ago now where it's like somebody fakes their own death or like, oh, my injury God. or something. And then it's like, will you marry me? Because it's like I needed you to know that you really loved me. I think that was the explanation that the ma- that the dude gave was like, I needed I wanted to know, like, I wanted to make sure that you really loved Gross. me. Like if I was if you saw me die, quote unquote, or whatever, like or get killed. That's awful. So we they're both at their lowest points. Flynn gets caught, you know, because he wakes up as he's arriving at Corona with the crown and they arrest him and he manages like Maximus manages to sort of key into what has happened. Yeah. Um, Rapunzel's back at the tower and sort of moping and mother Gothel feels all content. And she's got that piece of flag with the Corona symbol on it, the sun. And she looks up to the ceiling that she's been painting her entire life and realizes that she's been hiding the symbol in, in the (laughs) mural on her ceiling and makes like, she starts having the most vivid recovered memory ever. Yeah. (laughs) 
about like and like the mural that she saw in the town and the people that were depicted in it and she's connecting that she is the lost princess and that's why these lamps go up every year on her birthday because she's missing and this is where she sort of like stands up to her her captor for the first time did i mumble mother speak up rapunzel you know how i hate the mumbling i am the lost princess aren't i Did I mumble, mother? So satisfying. It, it really is it because is. that's the thing. Like when you, if you've ever been in, or if you've ever felt like you've been in a situation like that, where someone has nagged you about something like that, and yeah. then you've got the upper hand and you're just like, did yes, it's, it's exactly the, <laughs> did I stutter moment. And that's when like the real evil Gothel come like comes out and she's, she's gonna, She's like, you're, well, you're never leaving again then and shuts everything down and essentially chains her up. She's like, I, honestly, I think this is one of the worst villains. In, yeah, in she's so Disney well movie. done and yeah. so well performed too. like Donna Murphy kills it. It's, sure. She's yeah. one of the better Disney villains, I think. But yeah, so then we cut to a kind of Game of Thrones esque prison hallway scene. Like the, I the, I was getting flashbacks to like Ned Stark being dragged down to the dungeons yeah, a little bit. Um, but as Flynn's being dragged down to the dungeons, he sees the little porcelain <laughs> unicorn on the wall yeah. as a symbol. And Maximus has rallied the the leather bears uh, to help <laughs> for a prison break. <laughs> and yeah, it's it, it's this whole like the the unicorns there and people are making eyeballs and then the mime shows up this mime. Oh my God. <laughs> he like stops as the guards are chasing Flynn and the other guys out. He stops them with a fake wall. And then the guy with the big horns bowls them all over. And the mime does like a take straight to the camera, like a, Ooh, and it was, it's the best fourth wall break moment. I think I've seen in a cartoon in a good long while. Yeah. It was wonderful. As much as how modern this movie feels, it's not like they're doing fair bucks. It's not like they're, yeah, referencing iPhones or whatever, like theoretically mimes could exist already in France at this time. So even though it feels very modern and very like, like you're saying there's a fourth wall breaking moment, it's all, it all has the tone of like Mm -hmm. a cheeky thing. It's like, no, this is kind of could make sense in this world in a way. It's just inside like the textbook definition (laughs) of postmodern, I think like just inside of it. Um, yeah. but yeah, so that Flynn gets away and he and Maximus rushes him to the tower. They do like a catapult thing where like the, they meet at the top of that. Oh, yeah. Head down. Head down. Arms in. Arms in. Knees apart. Knees apart. Knees apart. Why, why do I need to keep my knees apart? And then, yeah. And then they launch him into the air. He lands on, on a, uh, on that wall. And then Maximus is up there. Yep. And then they have this like heart to heart moment. And I was like, now kiss. Because <laughs> they were just right next to each other. They really was, were. He was he was like, oh, Maximus for me. And Clancy did with he was like, now kiss. That horse is now jumping rooftops. Yeah. He, this is a hardy, staunch ass horse. <laughs> Can fall hundreds of feet. Hundreds of feet. Issue. Yeah. The swimming parkour the, horse. It's uh, park, Par- parkour horse. <laughs> Hardcore parkour horse. Horse core. Horse core. Horse core. That's different. That's like like when you're <laughs> hardcore into horses, your horse, horse core. core. Horse core. <laughs> nay. Horse nay. Nay. <laughs> Somebody can they clip that out? I want that as a ringtone. Oh my god. No, well, I mean the visual is half of it. Nobody got to see Steven throw his hair around. I throw his mane around. <laughs> my mane. Thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, it's delightful. So yeah, he, you know, he, he books it to the tower. He calls for Rapunzel's hair. He climbs up and this is the first time he's climbing up because last time he got up on his own. Um, and then yeah. immediately gets a knife in the ribs. Stabbed. Yeah. I mean, brutal. The knife comes out clean, which is weird. I made like, that same note. The knife comes out completely clean. We do see a little bit of blood later when she's like looking under his doublet. Yes. Which, yeah. And I, I thought that was really interesting for Disney. Like I was like, okay, yeah, there's not going to be, the knife's not going to be like soaked in blood, but that they showed any on his shirt later was wild. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that informs the PG rating. Yeah. So yeah, they're, she's just going to leave him for dead. Cause he's the only one who knows about the magical hair and they're going to go hide somewhere else. But Rapunzel makes one more deal that she says she promises on. And you know, she talks about having, having never broken a promise. Anytime she says, I promise. Uh, I mean that she said that earlier, Yeah. but she essentially says, let me save him and I'll go with you willingly because she earlier threatened. She was like, no, I'm just going to fight. I'm always going to fight you. You can never use my, my, my magic. Um, and so she tricks mother Gothel who agrees and Rapunzel goes to save him by wrapping, you know, her hair around. And he says, no, it's so touching. I got a little misty eyed. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Everything is going to be okay. though. No, Rapunzel. I promise you have to trust me. No, come on. Just breathe. I can't let you do this. And I can't let you die. But if you do this, then you will die. Hey, it's gonna be all right. Rapunzel, wait. Eugene, no! And he takes that knife and gives her a Demi Moore haircut. Yes, love the new hair girl. <laughs> yeah, he gives her a cute bob and sacrifices his own life to do so. Yeah. And then like we all did during quarantine. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I mean, I Brendan helped cut my hair. Like this is this is from like a week ago. I'm due for for touching up Clancy's actually. Like I yeah, watched a bunch of YouTube videos. Nice. Corn hair is too much right now. Exactly. But yeah, she gets her new her new quarantine haircut and Mother <laughs> Gothel de-ages like it she it looks like she just looked at the Ark of the Covenant. She just yeah, totally. to, I totally had that in my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, and she, she, when she hits the ground, it's just dust. Yeah. Which I mean, I also love that Rapunzel didn't kill her captor. She saved the person that she loved. And it is in fact, Pascal yeah. who kills her captor when really it's the magic running out. But if the magic hadn't run out, Pascal's the one who tripped her over all that hair. Oh, for sure. And sent that old bitty flying out the window. <laughs> but yeah, she does. I, I, as we were watching it again, I was like, Oh my God, do we hear a body thump? Because like everything up to this point, I would have been, I would not have been surprised if we heard a thump. Yeah. But then I realized that she turns to dust as, yeah, the, as yeah. her cloak hits. Very, uh, Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. And she does mm -hmm. her, her, her cry. She, she tears of a princess, tears of a princess and the spell changes a bit <laughs> and she brings him back and then cut to the king and queen. And that guard comes in and this is where I really like lost it. Like I went from Misty to like an actual tear rolled down because there's no dialogue in this scene. The guard just busts in kind of like out of breath and the king and queen look up surprised and the guard's just like, and they know exactly. Oh yeah. It's time. Like, <laughs> yeah. like this is the thing. Mm. And, um, well, they, they fire every guard who comes in, <laughs> who comes in with an announcement that is that not, is that not their that. child has been found. It's like, <laughs> they're like looking. It's like dinner's ready. Oh, see. Yeah, yeah. Like a guy, he just broke into a thing. Somebody was trying to sell us new knives. I don't, I, yeah, I'll just send them away. I'll just send them away. Get out of here. Off with your head. You're fired. <laughs> 
but yeah. And then she comes out and, and we're getting sort of this, like she's a little bit blonde in the sunset, but I guess it doesn't really matter that she's blonde or not blonde anymore. It's a whole, it's kind of a thing. I feel like we're made to feel like it's a thing. Yeah. And the thing is like brown hair is valid too, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) And I mean, she has an avenue. She just has to bottle her tears and she, I mean, exactly like money that way. Is she now part Phoenix? Because that's the whole lore with Phoenix tears is that they could revive a person from death. Steven, you've seen, I mean, this, this is kind of it. Like they, they end up getting married and happily ever after it's happily ever after we get the old man Cupid that comes into frame. That's played by Thomas. Paul Paul F. F. Tompkins is the short. I, I didn't my know, doppelganger. I didn't know that. Oh my God. You, you totally are like, it's like, what's that? What was that? Will Smith movie with the young clone Gemini man. Yeah. You're yeah. like the young Paul Tompkins for, for like the, the goofy white dude, Gemini man. I choose to be casual looks. Yeah. You know, well, in horseman's, uh, I think is what's important. Yeah, horseman's. horseman's being able yeah. to, well, I'm doing more of like a Cameron Esposito right now with like really long on the side. Yeah. So it lo- I mean, honestly, it looks good, but I, the one other thought that I had as they're wrapping up is like, who gave her the name Rapunzel? Because if mother Gothel gave her that name is the queen like, Oh my God, is that you, Stephanie? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Stephanie? <laughs> well, I will say just to go into, cause what is it called before ever after I think is the name of this, the sequel and it's an animated sequel. And I don't think, are they the voices? I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, it's like a, for TV for streaming animated sequel. Yes. But I think this is different from the days of like Lion King two. I mean, look, no shade on Lion King two. I'm just using it as an example, but, and that was an Eisner thing. A lot of those direct to, to video sequels. And, and this is sort of because they're putting more creative energy into it. And yes, it is the it's Mandy Moore, Zachary Levi, Eden Espinosa. Oh. But yeah, it's my, and I think even Paul does his voice on this one. Oh, wow. Yeah. But go ahead. That whole it's sort of an in-between thing because this, the it takes place kind of at the end of uh, Rapunzel has been returned or, you know, goes to live her role as a princess. Yeah. But it's the whole story is her struggling with this notion of now that she, you know, it's somebody who's become famous all of a sudden. Now she has like meetings and schedules and it's like all about her duty to the thing. And then also this element of Flynn basically wanting to marry her, but she's not ready. And there's one of the most like painful, like in that way that it's so well done scenes of him asking her to make like, and I, I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but like basically she he asked her to marry him and the way that it doesn't go the way he wants it to is so like you just <laughs> I think Flynn is such a good is such a good male protagonist in the Disney world because he he's he actually is genuine, you know, sometimes yeah. in a way that feels very real. But Rapunzel is like wanting to she's feeling this anxiety of like settling down and then she meets the queen of the guards daughter who's like short hair and plays with swords and like, <laughs> is that Cassandra? Yeah. Cassandra where it's like, that's she, Spinoza plays. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it's that whole thing where she's going off adventures with this other, this other girl oh. and who's like teaching her more about things. And it's like, do I want to go and settle down and everything? And it's like, I like that to me. It feels like there's this like very much like the team beach movies where there's this kind of this subtext with like the two female characters, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, it's like the newspapers. It's like they don't want to say that gal pals, Rapunzel and Cassandra. <laughs> exactly. Like and to me, it felt like the before ever after had this element of like, I think the creators like knew what they were doing. Got it. But they're because it's like a Disney 
it has to you know be heteronormative or whatever yeah. like they couldn't quite commit to it but there's still like an element there where like the imagery of it feels very like queer in a little way it's like, like where it. it's like the the way that cassandra presents herself at this as this one of the boys kind of like tough girls sure, where sure, it's like sure. rapunzel's like a princess and it's just like uh in the short like they go back to the spot where they pick where mother gothel originally picked the flower or whatever oh yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. and so it shows like how dangerous it's like it's almost like the elephant graveyard of corona yeah you know, or whatever. that's okay. neat so, but uh, yeah so i'm curious because that obviously ends where she's like She's had her flight of fancy. And now she's ready to, sure. you know, commit to to Flynn. But I heard the TV show mixes it up a little bit more. Yeah, and they're all on Disney Plus as well. Yeah, and Mandy Moore does the voice on yep. that as well. Yeah, and Zachary Levi. Ah, I love Mandy Moore. She's so good. I know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah the the movie was made for two hundred and sixty million. It was the most expensive Disney film in the animated oh. canon at the time, yeah, or even a- adjusted for inflation. Uh, I think it was at the time. It was at the time. Yeah. I mean, as much as we can tell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 260 million. And this is mainly because it had been in production since like 2000. It's like a six year production cycle yeah. for this one. Yeah. It was a long time. And that was once it actually started moving forward. Right. Ugh, animated movies. Animators. <laughs> I have so much respect. I, I know a lot of animators and people work in animation and I just. Yeah. I mean, imagine if every podcast you did took six years oh or something. Like, so, like this is our 13th episode. It's like, wow, that's a lot of content. Like, yeah. I mean, I used to work in video games, so like I, I get it. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, totally. But but even animation, because like it just keeps you just keep going. Yep. Um, And then it, it made five hundred ninety two point four million. So it made twice yeah, man, and then some. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got an eighty nine percent by the critics. Um, Richard, wow. Yeah. Richard Corliss and Time said this is your basic and very enjoyable Disney princess musical and empowerment tale to teach bright, dreamy girls how to grow to maturity and outgrow the adults in charge. Which, Ooh. I, the, but even that take, even that one sound, but like that, that pull quote is kind of saccharine to me, but the guardian, yeah. Peter Bradshaw in the guardian, um, Clancy, do you want to read that one? Cause he was not as, as much of a fan. <laughs> yeah. He said Rapunzel gets a very ordinary updating in this Disney picture, uh, rating do, uh, what does that say? Duller. Okay. Yeah. Uh, rating duller moments from Shrek's, uh, for ideas and sporting labored sections of Broadway style show tunes. Yeah. So Which, like, I mean, mm, the, whatever. the guardian review was the one that like really <laughs> strung some of those Shrek comparisons together. And I saw a few of those others as well in, even in um viewer score, which was 87%. So audience 87%, not bad on rotten tomatoes. Yeah. Ross C says some nice action scenes and animatography, but other aspects, <laughs> particularly the musical side and some of the CGI isn't quite up to the frozen level to which I say, this, this is before frozen. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for your input, Ross C, I guess. What were the extras, Clancy? Um, so there were a couple of extras that were on there. Um, mainly it was just different uh intros. Um I, we didn't actually end up watching them, but, but yeah, they did like a fairy tale, like kind of like Sleeping Beauty starts, whether it's uh, like the, the fairy tale book, they yeah. did one of those. The trailers on there it was just a handful of things. Yeah, there wasn't yeah, there wasn't too much. And that's actually kind of disappointing because I feel like like when we were looking at the DVD um, uh, to get the to the scene list. Oh, yeah. Like there was a lot more. Yeah. What we're there. finding is that sometimes on Disney Plus, like the extras that you would get with a digital copy, like a blue, like if you downloaded it for your Apple TV or whatever, doesn't have all of the like I to what you would consider the iTunes extras now, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of awards uh, for the 83rd Academy Awards, it was nominated for best original song. And that's for I See the Light. Oh, yeah. Um, for the 54th Grammys, uh, it did win best song for I See the Light. Oh, um, for a visual media song written for visual media. Yeah. And then uh, it was nominated for best 
um, comp- uh, compilation soundtrack for visual media. Nice. Hmm. Um, we went through most of these sort of like trivia facts. Apparently Kristen Bell and Adina Menzel both auditioned for the role of Rapunzel. And then three years later would do frozen. Go ahead and break down the math on the weight of the hair. Clancy. Ooh, <laughs> I'm excited for this. So yeah, an average. So, so it says an average inch of hair weighs about 50 micrograms. Um, a light estimate as Rapunzel's hair is approximately 70 feet, a hundred or sorry, 840 inches and consists of about a hundred thousand strands that yields. <laughs> Is that that's four billion two hundred million micrograms, which equals four million two hundred milligrams, which is four thousand two hundred grams. Yeah, which honestly means her whole hair weighs about ten point four pounds. Dry, oh. dry, dry. I guess that just means she's got a real strong neck. Yeah, right. just ripped. really strong neck muscles, <laughs> just all through. She's like Joe Rogan, you know? Like, oh, oh no, no, anyone but. <laughs> But yeah, that's a uh, that's tangled. Yeah, that's I, I I enjoyed it. I this is one of the ones that I like, and I I will revisit certainly. Yeah, I thought this was delightful. Like I'm kind of disappointed that I waited this long to watch this. Me too. I I think it probably does better with the passage of time. I could kind of understand how because the songs are you know they I I definitely feel like the songs are kind of like the least interesting part of this movie. Yeah, and now kind of removed from Shrek and how Shrek has morphed into its own postmodern vaporwave <laughs> joke culture yeah. thing. Like I think removed from all that stuff, I think Tangled is just like a solid modern take that the actual personal issues with the movie to me make it really rewatchable and really interesting and, and even more, more idiosyncratic than I think people give it credit for. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us to break down the 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 totality of Tangled, Stephen. <laughs> uh, I love it. This is so much fun. It's like it feels like instead of, you know, because when you're on Twitter, you're just sharing your tidbits of little thoughts. But it's like, oh, no, like we get to really like, this oh, is, yeah. this is like what break I live for, you know, just down. to like yeah. go into it. Yeah, yeah that's uh, uh, this is so much. Fun. That's our whole ethos. Um, Is there I mean, you've got a slew of podcasts. What do you want to plug? I mean, see Jurassic, right? We're just wrapping up Jurassic June. So just a lot of fun interviews there. Yeah. Per cast, we're always just talking to people about cats. So mm-hmm. it's always a good time. Um, and yeah, I mean, exactly right. We just launched two new shows this year. Oh, uh, right. I said no gifts, which is uh, Bridger Weiniger, who is a television writer. He basically invites people on and tells them not to bring a present, but they bring a present anyway. <laughs> I love it. And that's really, that's been really fun. And then Bananas is Kurt Braunholler and Scotty Landis. It's and the they, weird news one, right? Yeah. And they just do weird news that is just, but it's like done in that way where like I kind of like how I talked about water cooler. It's like that kind of thing where you're like at work with your friends and you're like, hey, did you see that crazy story about a, like a duck that like that drinks too much or something like that? You know, <laughs> you're just like, what? I did see a story the other day about a duck coming into a pub and downing a pint and then like stealing somebody's food. Oh Untitled God. goose game come to life. Yes, it's exactly that. Um, <laughs> where can folks find you online, Stephen? Uh, you can follow me at Stephen Ray Morris on all the things. All the things. Awesome. Yeah. Even seriously. Thank you so much. This was so much, much fun. Yay. Oh, I could do this all day. This was so much fun. Oh my goodness. What a delight to have Mr. Stephen Ray Morris talk with us through Tangled. Oh, that was wonderful. He was just such a treat. <laughs> I mean, I, I really want to thank him for coming on. This was, it was such a delight to have him with us. And uh, honestly, I don't think yeah. we could have asked for a better first guest. hundred percent. No. Yeah. And we're very thankful for him. Check him out on all of this, all, all of his social medias, 
all of his podcasts are just delightful to listen to. I yep. can't praise the podcast enough. <laughs> all righty. Um, where can they find me on social media, honey? Well, they can find you at Josh watching TV without the G yes. on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. It ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. No. And where, if they so choose, could they find me? Well, if they choose to, uh, they could find you on Twitter and Instagram as C L N C Y. Hey, Hey, drop that a. Yeah. And real quick, before we go, remember to check out the mischief media Patreon. Yes. Patreon.com slash making mischief. You can get access to our discord. You can hear our bonus episodes. There's episodes from everybody who's on the network, but yeah. ours so far, we've talked about our favorite theme park memories. Yeah. And recently we've done, uh, we watched out. Yes. The and, new spark short. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was a it was a tear jerker. It was a tear. <laughs> what is that accent? <laughs> it's a tear jerker. Okay. I mean, I don't know. All right, mate. Put another Pixar short on the Barbie. We just lost all of our Australian fans. 100%. All six of them. Come back, mate. <laughs> oh goodness! Yes, check out the Patreon. There's all sorts of bonus content there from from shows all over Mischief Media Network. And you know, while you're there, if you see a show you haven't listened to yet, maybe go check them out. Yeah, for maybe sure. go check out um, Healthy Geek Academy. Maybe go check out Jump Scare. You know, get your fitness on. Get your scary movie on. Yeah, for sure. There's all sorts of fun stuff. And uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. Um, as we said last time, give us a five-star review and put some puns in it, and we'll read it live. Well, not live. Well, I mean, we'll read it on the podcast. We're alive while we're reading it. This is true. Well, kind of, but yeah. Yeah. We kind of. I mean, I can't go outside really still, and you, you know. You may not be able to live, but you are alive. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh. Oh well, my God. That over there is my husband, Josh. And that over there is my husband, Clancy. And we're not plus. We are non plussed. Goodness. <laughs> But I did know like one, my big thing, like we did a bug's life last week and or two weeks ago, the last episode and they, all of the textures of the living creatures just look so rubbery yeah. and almost like disturbingly. So, and that's just one thing I noted as I was watching this, that was like, Oh, that looks like, like almost like a doll. Like uh, it's yeah. almost like Barbie flesh, which I'm more okay with for some reason. I don't know. That sounds weird. <laughs> Barbie flesh. <laughs> I've got Barbie flesh in my, why, why is that a phrase that came out of my mouth? And remember, get $20 off your first box of booze boosters from Shaker and Spoon with the code nonplussed. Just go to Shaker, com slash nonplussed and snag that putting on the spritz box as a treat before June 30th. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Respect your elderflowers. Shut your tulips. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs>